Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you for another week. So happy to be here. It's the holiday season. Merry Christmas to you. Happy Holidays. I've got some things I want to talk to you about today. You know, I've been focusing on news about uh, things that African Americans might be interested in. Many of you may know that on Tuesday, December 18th of this year, uh, Michael Flynn, the general, was supposed to be sentenced in federal court in Washington, D.C. for cooperating with the Mueller probe into... uh, what happened with the Russians, it didn't turn out exactly like it was supposed to go. As a matter of fact, for a full eight minutes, U.S. District Judge Emmett G. Sullivan read aloud an inventory of Michael Flynn's lies, describing his disgust that President Trump's national security advisor sought to deceive FBI agents while on the premises of the White House. Flynn, who was a retired general, the highest-ranking aide to plead guilty as part of the special counsel investigation. He listened intensely, his face was tight, and as the judge ticked through his misdeeds, he just sat there and listened. Now, so who is Emmett G. Sullivan? Judge Sullivan is the longest-serving active federal judge on the U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. He is an African-American, having lived most of his life in Washington, D.C., He was first appointed to the local D.C. Superior Court by President Ronald Reagan in 1984. He was named to the D.C. Court of Appeals by President George H. Walker Bush and finally appointed to the federal bench by President Bill Clinton. He is a product of the law firm of Houston and Gartner. It's a civil rights law firm well known in Washington, D.C., And Judge Sullivan is best known for his robust enforcement of the rule that prosecutors must disclose any evidence that could help defendants establish their innocence. Now, in the particular case of what happened on the 18th, Flynn's supporters and perhaps President Trump thought Tuesday's sentencing hearing would unfold as a cakewalk. They had pinned their hopes on Judge Sullivan an independent-minded jurist, of maybe revealing there was overreach by special counsel Robert Mueller. And uh, some Flynn allies even speculated that the judge might toss out Flynn's guilty plea and clear his name. Instead, the 71-year-old judge used his platform to puncture any conspiracy theories that paint Flynn as a victim of deep state persecution, and he reminded the country of a few simple creeds commonly held in courthouses, but increasingly dismissed by the president's allies. What are they? Lying to the FBI is against the law. Breaking the law is bad. People who work in the White House are supposed to be held to a higher standard. The judge went on to say this was a very serious offense. He told Flynn that even after Mueller's prosecutors told the judge they agreed that Flynn should face little or no prison time, 
because he cooperated with the investigators. However, the judge was not happy about what he heard in the sentencing or what he read in the sentencing memorandum that the government always files. And he just said in court that he thought that um, Mr. Flynn should have some jail time, and if the, he found out any other evidence, it might help Flynn. But if he had to sentence him today, that day, yesterday, the 18th, that he would probably give him some jail time. Now, Judge Sullivan is a smart guy, and he knew that this is not what was expected. Everyone thought it was going to be a cakewalk. Flynn met with the Mueller people for 19 interviews. Mueller said, well, you know, we think that he shouldn't get any jail time or prison time, and so did the defense attorneys. Everyone came into court thinking that he was going to waltz away, having been, how would you say it, exonerated for lying to the FBI. Well, the judge didn't see it that way. He suggested that maybe, just maybe they don't want to be sentencing him today, that maybe he needed some more time to work out things with Mueller because the judge thinks that he has sold his country out, sold out the United States. A judge who has this power can say what he wants in his courtroom, and he certainly let it out. Now, one of the things that set Judge Emmett Sullivan off is that he pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI on not one, not two, but on three occasions. And uh, in the sentencing memo that his lawyers wrote, they indicated that maybe he should get off because he was not told in his final time before FBI agents that he had to tell the truth and that it was a crime to not tell the truth. Well, that's what they wrote, but that fell on its face, just as I knew it would. Mr. Flynn served in the military 33 years. He became a three-star general, and he was head of the Defense Intelligence Agency for two years. He knew that it was against the law to lie to the FBI. The judge in court said, is it true that you knew that you lied? And, G and General Flynn said, yes, he did. Now, the White House and many of his, uh, many of Flynn's supporters want to say that he was ambushed, he was set up, he was entrapped by the special counsel office. It wasn't true. And the judge made it very clear that if you want to throw out your plea agreement, you can come before me, go to trial, and you will probably do prison time. Judge Emmett G. Sullivan is a good man. He is a towering judge. I'm glad to say that I know him. I'm not a best friend of him, but having lived in Washington and been a lawyer and the prosecutor, I know most of the judges. So I say my hat is off to what Judge Emmett Sullivan did in the Flynn sentencing. I believe that after three months, the judge said that Flynn should come back before him, and he may still look at the case, but he may still give him some jail time. Stay tuned. We will see what happens. So that's one of the stories I wanted to talk about. I have another one.
And this has to do with a report that came out of, from the United States Senate earlier this week. It has to do with the Russian efforts to manipulate African Americans. Now, before I go into this story, let me just remind you, those of you who are listening, about the old story about Pandora's box. Most people learn about that story when they grow up. There are a number of versions of it. Basically, it comes from a Greek myth that said that Zeus, who was the chief god, wanted to have a daughter, and he created or had one of his lesser gods create a daughter called Pandora. Pandora was given to a lesser god by the name of Ephemethus, Ephemetheus, rather, uh, in marriage. They were given a gift by Zeus on their wedding day of a box, a very pretty box. It was a locked box, and it came with a note. The note said in big letters, do not open. But attached to the box and the note was a key. All this is very curious. You probably all know what happened next. It was Pandora's curiosity that got the better of her. One day she used that key to open the box, and as she raised the lid, out flew all the bad things in the world. Envy, sickness, hate, disease. Pandora slammed the lid closed, but it was too late. Her husband heard her weeping. He came running. Pandora, Pandora opened the lid to show him it was empty, but before she could slam the lid shut, one tiny bug flew out. He gave Pandora a big buggy smile and thanks for his freedom and flew away. That tiny bug was named Hope. And hope made all the difference in the world. So remember of this story about Pandora's box while I tell you something about this report that came out from the Senate. A new report from the Senate Intelligence Committee reveals that the Russians in their bid to boost President Trump have been more fixated than previously understood on trying to dampen African-American political engagement. Researchers at Oxford University's Computational Propaganda Project, a network analysis firm, spent seven months analyzing millions of social media posts that major technology firms turned over to congressional investigators. Their goal was to understand the inner workings of the Internet Research Agency, which is in Russia, and did the interference in our 2016 election. It turns out that African Americans were targeted with more Facebook ads than any other group, including conservatives. Three of the four most liked Facebook posts put up by the Russian influence effort came from an account called Blacktivist that urged the community to be more cynical about politics. African Americans were urged to vote for Green Party candidate Jill Stein throughout the month before the 2016 election. On October 29th, there was a post that declared in big letters, no lives matter to Hillary Clinton. Only votes matter to Hillary Clinton. On November 3rd, a Facebook post was saying, not voting is a way to exercise your rights as African Americans. This is all things on the Internet. On Instagram, all five of the most liked posts created by the Russians were aimed at African-American women. The influence operation 
using computers and our social media, was run out of St. Petersburg, Russia. It was sophisticated, relentless, and became more effective with time. Its goal was to manipulate identity politics to tear America apart. Russia wants to tear us apart. They're not our friends. Messaging of African Americans sought to divert their political energy away from established political institutions by preying on anger with structural inequalities, including police violence, poverty, and disproportionate levels of incarceration. Now, again, this is what the Russians do. They are trying to undermine us. The Internet is thought to be a great development for mankind and for the world, but it's sort of like that Pandora's box. Sometimes you open it and the things that come out are not good. Going back to this report, the Senate report says that the central goal of all of what the Russians were doing was to elect Trump and subsequently to buoy him in his office. What is clear is that all the messaging clearly sought to benefit the Republican Party and especially Trump. Now, the Russians allegedly used all the best practicing the Russians used all the best practices of digital marketing. They primarily posted general feel-good posts to build large and loyal followings on their accounts so that anti-Clinton political posts would pack less of a punch. They used tools designed to help American businesses reach customers to slice and dice the electorate, electorate for sinister propaganda, And the report says that the Russian used memes, comedy, funny pictures, and music streaming to attack, attract younger users. Another thing you might want to know, the Russians started on Twitter and then moved toward YouTube, progressed to Instagram, and finally figured out Facebook. In its Twitter account, it grew to more than 20,000 followers having reports from the Russians trying to show that they were Americans, that Trump should be elected. The group's Twitter account linked to Facebook called Black Matters had more than 222,000 followers. It encouraged African Americans to participate in real-life rallies against police treatment or minorities. The page promoted events in at least six cities, according to the report from New York to Jackson, Mississippi, Detroit, Charleston, and Baltimore. The report highlights 14 links from a number of Twitter and various Facebook's account, which called there should be firearms training for black women. Now, if this wasn't bad enough, until companies cracked down last summer, We had more and more of this, and it's just disgusting. Most sobering, though, the report suggests that the disinformation campaign is active and ongoing in many places, not just the United States. However, I say all this to you because, like Pandora's box, which seemed like a lovely gift, 
which had a gift, which had a, uh, a lock on it and a note that said, do not open. Pandora did open it and all the bad things in the world came out except for hope. I'm going to tell you, I don't use the Internet, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as much as I used to because now I know what the Russians are doing and they're trying to destroy America. I want you to remember that. Be careful of how you use and what you believe from the Internet. The Russians have found ways to try to tear us apart. They've been doing that for years. It is the new social media platforms that have helped them so much to do this. Let's end this segment on a different note. I won't say a higher note. Many of you may have known of the acclaimed song stylist, Nancy Wilson. She was an award-winning singer whose beguiling expressiveness in jazz, rhythm and blues, gospel, and pop music made her a crossover recording star for five decades. She also had a prolific career as an actress, an activist, a commercial spokesperson, and she died, I'm sorry to say, on December 13th at her home in Pioneerstown, California. She was 81 years old. Her manager confirmed the death but did not know the specific cause. Mrs. Wilson resisted the label of jazz singer for much of her career, although jazz was the form to which she returned time and time again and which she said had her greatest critical and popular success. She considered herself, above all, a song stylist. She once said, that's my essence, to weave words to be dramatic. I'm telling you about this because I want to pay homage to Nancy Wilson. She was a great singer, a good woman. Jazz historian and critic Will Friedwald wrote in his latest book that Miss Wilson was a formidable presence in pop, jazz, and blues, the most important vocalist to come along after three genres, in these three genres of music. Now, Let's just end this up. Nancy Sue Wilson was her full name. She was born in Chillicothe, Ohio on February 20th, 1937. She grew up in Columbus, Ohio, where her father was an iron worker and her mother was a domestic. Her parents divorced but lived within a few blocks of each other. She said the women in her life, her mother, stepmother, and grandmother were the rocks who encouraged the vocal talent that she first displayed in the church choir choir, the church choir. She started singing when she was four years old and she knew that she had a voice. I love the singing of Nancy Wilson. Sorry to see you go. It was a great life. This is Birdsong. I've got more. Stick with me. Hello, folks. Birdsong back here with you. I've got a guest. Her name is Lori Craig. She says that men have been running the world for thousands of years. 
But could we be headed into a more collaborative world in which women will be increasingly running the show? That's why I brought Laurie Craig on, because she wants to tell us more about a female-led world. Laurie, thank you for coming on Birdsong. How are you today? Well, Birdsong, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, I'm interested in what you have to say. I think the women need to be somewhat in control of more of things than we've had them in control of. Congress may be one of them. But <laughs> you talk about the future. The best question is, you talk about the future is feminine. What does the future is feminine look like? Okay, well, I, I think what I'll do is start a little bit with a couple of statistics. And that is the future is feminine is happening. It's not a dream or anything like that. If we take a look at the entering workforce, which is about 46% women, of those, women attorneys are running at 36% of that. Women CPAs are at 38%. Um, physicians and surgeons at 38%. So we're making progress. So it actually is happening. And what a female confident world looks like is uh, bringing humanity, more humanity to um, what is happening in politics, in business. Women are more collaborative. Um, men and women um, brains work a little bit differently. Um, women tend to be uh, more collaborative in how they're doing things, and men tend to be more goal-oriented. I so, agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> the best combination is like the, the those two uh, different kinds of thought processes working together. So women are actually finding their voice and their power through social media now and the uh, the Me Too movement and the women's marches that happened um, earlier last year are examples of women finding their power. Um, and women, my sense is that women don't really want to just, like, take over. I think women want to be part of of the equation of things going well, forward. Well, let me stop you and say I think you're absolutely right on that. You know that I'm a lawyer and I was for a time a law professor. When I was in law school, 10% of the class were women, 90% men. Uh, I taught I taught from 1998 through 2017. I'm proud to say that uh, I helped many men and women graduate from the Berry Law School and it's interesting the statistics you gave me. 52% of our most of our graduating classes were women and 48% men. How about mm-hmm. that? Yep. <laughs> That's just an example of what's happening. And, and I just wanted to make it. sure you, you had some statistics. I just wanted to bolster that, that we have more women generally coming out of law school than men, which is something yeah. good, I think. Now, yeah. let me just, uh, you know, you're, you're telling us some good stuff. The problem with this kind of thinking, and I'm not saying problem bad, but, you know, men get scared of this kind of thing. What do men need to know about fitting in a female competent, confident rather, world? So men really should look at the positive side of things rather than being fearful of the negative side of things. So respecting what women bring to the table and treating them as peers because women have exceptional skills for 
problem solving. They are amazing change agents. Um, they're creative and relate to others um, and are superb collaborators. So if women can, I'm sorry, if men can take a look at that and respect what they bring to the table and be supportive of the women in the business environment, uh, in the political environment, be encouraging and respectful, it'll work well for them. Well, yeah, that, that, those are good points. You know, I, I believe that uh, some of the problems with the uh, uh, Hillary Clinton um, campaign was that men just can't see women in a presidential position. There was a lot of hate I saw out there. In European countries, we have women who do become prime ministers and presidents. The latest one, we have the president of Ethiopia as a woman for the first time. I just don't understand why American men aren't ready to accept that. Well, I'm honestly not quite sure either, um, because women do bring a lot to the table. I think Part of it might be pushback because things are being legislated and they nobody likes to be forced to do something and right. that creates a certain amount of pushback. But the reason those uh, laws are um, being put in place is because there, there needs to be progress made in that area too. Now, you mentioned the word legislation. Let's talk about the fact there's been a phenomenon this last election. Lots of women won seats in Congress. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. Um, I checked in 2018. There were 472 women that entered the race for the House and 57 women for the Senate. Uh And the next best year was 2012 where there were 298 women that ran for the House and 36 for the Senate. And my opinion is, um, since most of those were Democrats, uh, that I think many of those women were just fueled by frustration um, with Donald Trump. And um, he was inadvertently motivational for inspiring so many women to to run. Well, yeah, and I think frustration is a good way to put it because I'm not a woman, but I believe certainly our, our government could be run better than it's being run, okay? I'll just be honest about that. Mm-hmm. I, I think bring, uh, women could bring a lot more humanity to these laws. Yeah, particularly the stuff that's going on down on the border. Again, I was in the State Department for a while, and I know a lot about immigration law. The things that this administration are doing, just awful. You know, we had this seven-year-old child that died from dehydration just recently mm-hmm. coming to the United States. And, you know, we have children that we're putting in tents and living out in the desert. It's just horrible. Mm-hmm. They are in violation of both our American and international laws on refugees, and, you know, I hope that with more women in Congress that we will get away from these kind of draconian policies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it seems to me we were watching these immigrants, you know, marching towards the United States, and we've always been a country 
um, that's opened its arms to to immigrants. And there should have been, you know, policies and procedures put into place like, okay, they are coming. And, you know, how are we going to handle them in, you know, a moral and, and ethical, caring way um, instead of what's been going on? And well, what's been going on is a change in what we had. I know a lot about the laws that we were supposed to uh, adhere to for um, refugees. As a matter of fact, I've written stuff on this. But the point is, is that the Trump administration wants to change the laws and change the regulations. You know, if you have a claim for asylum, you have a right to come into the United States and uh, ask for asylum, and you should be given the time to do it. But now they're saying that you shouldn't even come in. You have to stay in Mexico to do this. It's, you know, so it's just not good, okay? Um, absolutely. And I agree that. Well, personally, I think there should have been asylum camps or something um, uh, set up. You know, like FEMA comes in with housing and that sort of thing for hurricanes. And I would think maybe there's FEMA housing laying around that could have been used for asylum camps or something. Uh, it, it, It could have been handled much better than, in my opinion. I know, and a bigger problem is that we have not done enough to help the countries where these people are coming from. That's what the big problem is. They are being killed and their children sold into slavery in El Salvador Mm -hmm. and Honduras and Guatemala, and it's just horrible down there, the conditions. But at any rate, we hope women can solve some of these problems. Tell us more about why you think this time it will be different for women. In the 1920s, they were saying women are going to now do something. And they right. did do some things, but, you know, it's sometimes just slid back into the old ways. Why do you think it's going to be different this time? Well, I'll tell you why it's different. And it has to do with technology, and it has to do with information that's immediate and accessible. Um, it's Women are finding their voice and their power through social media. Um, I think you can see how effective that was during Arab Spring when they were using Twitter. Um, Women are doing the same thing, like with the Me Too movement and organizing these marches. They're using the social media. And that's the the big thing now. It's like they're um, a little cranky about certain conditions that um, they've been put through in the past. And I don't think they're willing to be silenced anymore. I, I think they're motivated to um, show there's a groundswell to move forward. Status quo is not an option anymore. And they're going to use this um, social media to push for change and more humanity. So I, I think it's the strength of finding their voice right now. And mm-hmm. also... People are going to be able to cover up. Um, they're just going to shine the light of bright day on some of these actions that have happened in the past, and uh, it's not going to be able to be uh, covered up anymore. It's um, because of social media. All right. Let me tell your, our listeners that you are a certified financial planner with a master's degree in finance, 
and you're also the developer of what's called the Wake the Warrior Woman program. Can you tell us something about that? Yes. So Wake the Warrior Woman is to help empower women, um, to empower them health-wise, financially, and find their own personal power uh, for inter- building internal confidence, but also external power, and that's running for office and being more politically motivated. So there's all kinds of articles and coursework and things that women can do to expand um, on their skills that they have and their their knowledge. Well, do you have a website for these people who might want to find I, out more about it? I do. It is called wakethewarriorwoman.com. Aha, uh-huh. easy. Wakethewomen.com. Wake the no, warrior wake the woman. All right, I'll get it right. I'm sorry, Gloria. <laughs> no problem. All right, so uh, that's that's very good. Okay, so uh, now you have a degree in finance, a master's degree. Do you also counsel people about finance? I do. I have a coaching practice. Yes, I'm a financial advisor. I'm an investment advisor representative, and um, I absolutely do coaching. And I'm having a workshop actually in February uh, in Maui at Lumeria, which is one of the top ten yoga meditation resorts in the world. It's just beautiful. So I'm having a wealth and wellness workshop uh, in February, and that is on my website as well. Well, very good. You know, I you wouldn't know it, but my daughter lives in Maui. Oh, nice. So does mine. <laughs> so does yours? Well, isn't that something? Yes. Funny? We'll have to get them together. Yeah, that would be great. She's a bird song. That's, there are not that many bird songs on Maui. <laughs> She's also an <laughs> okay. artist there. Well, listen, oh, it's really good talking to you. Very often people in your position put out books. Have you written a book about Wake the Warrior Woman? I am in the process of writing a book, yes. Well, that sounds good. When will it be out? Uh, I'm hoping for June 1st of next year. Depends on how uh, my creative genius flows over the next few months. Okay. Now, my last question to you, and maybe this is a long question, what do women really need to know to prepare for this new time? with women coming to power? So the first thing is awareness. Awareness to know that one of the big things that holds women back is their lack of confidence. Um, Hewlett Packard did an internal study and found out that men would apply for positions if they thought they were 60% qualified, whereas Mm -hmm. women wouldn't apply for a position unless they felt 100% qualified for it. Mm. And women need to know that, hey, you know, the guys are applying for these jobs at 60%. It's okay. You can apply for these jobs at 60%. So one is the confidence factor. Another one is educating themselves and, you know, being the best prepared that they can, um, one that puts them in better position, but it also um, increases their confidence. So that that's a lot of it. It's just being aware of the rules of the game and, how, how to go forward, and understanding that money is power. In this world that we live in, money is power. And, and follow I, the money. Yep, I there understand you go. That. So you have to know the rules of the game and how to play the game well. 
Lori, thank you so much for coming on. These are some good points you make. Uh, I want to see women prosper. And I think that a collaborative world is more of what we need these days, don't you? Well, and we need men. Um, it's just I found that men have been very supportive of my concept and that they're helping me. And um, just like you've been amazing allowing me to be on this program, just men are the the thing that's going to help us, you know, push us past the goal. All right. Well, we will probably talk again. I certainly want to find out about your book when it comes out. So All thank right. you for coming on, Lori. Hope to be talking to you in the future. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday, okay? It's been a pleasure. Merry Christmas to you, too. Thank you so much. All right, folks, this is uh, Birdsong back with you here. Lori Craig has been our guest, and she's talking about the future is feminine. Stick with us. There's still more. Folks, Birdsong back with you. I'm glad you're sticking with me. I have more in the show. I've got some dumb criminal law stories. You know I collect these stories from all over the world. These stories are from this year, this December. Our first story is from Florida. Headline, he's on the naughty list. Early this month, December, a man claimed he was selling marijuana only to buy better Christmas gifts. His name, James Robinson. He's 35 years old. He was arrested for hawking weed out of his Chevy in Daytona Beach, Florida, according to police. He later told his wife he was dealing to get his kids better gifts. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) You all may have heard this story out of California. The headline reads, what a habit. And habit is in quotation marks. Two nuns stole a half million dollars from a Catholic school and blew it on gambling trips, according to police. Mary Margaret Cruper and Lana Lang of St. James Catholic School in Torrance, California, are accused of embezzling the money from the school's tuition fund for over a decade. The sisters allegedly spent the money on casino and vacation trips. What a habit, huh? (laughs) Back to Florida. Headline. Five-finger discount? A man interviewed for a clothing store job during the holiday season this year and was arrested for stealing two pairs of shoes on his way out after the interview. Dominic Breedlove, 25, ruined his chances of getting hired at a Coles in Spring Hill, Florida, when he allegedly gave himself the, quote, five-finger discount. (laughs) Here's a story out of Indiana. The headline just reads, Grinch. A man caught on a neighbor's surveillance camera drove his black SUV to a Greenwood, Indiana home that had a 12-foot-tall inflatable holiday snowman on the lawn. The driver mowed down the the decoration and fled, quote, It's kind of scary, said a resident, Casey Arnold. There's a lot of young children around here, end quote. Wow, he's got anger issues. He drove his SUV into a 12-foot-tall inflatable 
Snowman. <laughs> All right, here we go. We go across the pond. United Kingdom. Headline read, Christmas Lights Nicks. Christmas Lights Nicks. Residents of a block in the British city of Reading, Reading, I'm sorry, it's Reading, are outraged about the Christmas lights put up by a neighbor. What are the Christmas lights? Well, they are two stories high and have been strung in the shape of a giant penis. Neighbors are blaming a student who lives in the house, which is a short walk from a local university. They think this was his Christmas gag. Christmas lights nicks. Another story from the United Kingdom. This one reads, at least the headline says, He's man's best fiend. <laughs> Not best friend. He's man's best fiend. We learn that a dog fatally plowed a forklift into its owner, according to the news reports. Derek Mead, who was 70, forgot to put his ride in park when he hopped out to open a gate on his property in western England. His Jack Russell Terrier leaped out moments later and knocked into a lever, sending the machinery careening into Mead, who was killed. The dog was man's best fiend. <laughs> Sickening. A story out of Florida again. Caught with his pants down, says the headline. It's been reported that a bumbling burglar was stripped of his shorts when he tried to slip into an auto dealership through a small hole. He allegedly opened a, hall, a wall in the hole, I'm sorry, a hole in the wall at the Lakeland dealership, that's Lakeland, Florida, and wiggled in. However, the tight squeeze left him in his underwear and a surveillance camera captured his stupid move. Yes, he was arrested. Now, here's one from Canada. It says, Sticky Situation. We learned that three bandits stole $20,000 worth of maple syrup and then led police on a high-speed chase. They were subsequently sent to jail. In this most Canadian crime ever, the bandits allegedly swiped the sweet sap from a truck in Alberta and led police on a wild chase. $20,000 worth of maple syrup? Only in Canada, folks. <laughs> Only in Canada. Here's a story from New York. I reported on this story earlier, and when I say earlier, a year or two years ago. The headline says, Sex Toy Cop Out of Prison. The disgraced Long Island police chief sent to prison for beating a man in custody who stole his stash of porn and a sex toy from the chief's official vehicle was recently released from federal prison. Former Suffolk County Police Chief James Burke has been transferred from the low-security lockup in Allenwood, Pennsylvania, to a halfway house. Mr. Burke, who's 54, was sentenced in November 2016 to 46 months for assault and obstruction of justice. <coughs> Excuse me. His final, release date, his final release date will be April 11, 2019. He was credited for his time in custody before trial and received time off of his sentence for good behavior. Finally, a story out of Poland. 
The headline, Dead Sexy. A funeral home in the town of Wigorwick handed out a promotional calendar featuring nude women posing on caskets, and religious folks are not happy about it. As a matter of fact, it's the 10th edition of the calendar, which has drawn the ire of the Catholic Church, but they can't stop it. Dead sexy. Nude women posing on caskets. What comes next? <laughs> those of your, <clears throat> those are your dumb criminal stories for this week. We'll have some more stories for you as we go on. Now I have some riddles for you. You know, I love riddles. So I got three of them. They're not that difficult, but you got to think about them. Here's the first riddle. What do you call a dentist in the army? What do you call a dentist in the army? Second riddle. Did you hear about the angry pancake? Did you hear about the angry pancake? Finally, what about those little Russian dolls? Why do people like them? I'm sorry. Why do people do not like them? Now, those are the three riddles for the day. I'll come back at the end of the program and give you the answer to these riddles if you can't figure them out. This is Birdsong. Stick with us. There's still more to the program. I'm happy to be here with you. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you. We're coming to the end of the show, having fun here. I'm hoping that you all do have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. Right now, I have a very short Paul Harvey story. It's from his last book, For What It's Worth. These are stories that were sent to Paul Harvey from various people in the United States and around the world. And he put them in a book, and sometimes he read them on the air. Here's one that I want you to hear. Fred was a great practical joker. When his three closest friends got married, he played wedding night tricks on each of them. Now, Fred was getting married, and he was quietly terrified of what they might do to him. But nobody interrupted the minister. Nobody sent naughty telegrams. Nobody hid their suitcases or stole their champagne. Not even a cake fight at the wedding reception. When the honeymoon began, Fred's car started readily. No flat tires. Nothing strange in the trunk. Not even any tin cans tied to the rear bumper. Fred and his bride, relieved at their friend's restraint, left for their hotel. The next morning, Fred picked up the bedroom phone and dialed for room service and ordered breakfast for two. From the closet came a voice. Hey, Fred, make that breakfast for five, okay? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Breakfast for five, huh? All right, I said I'm going to give you the answer to these riddles, if you haven't figured them out. What do you call a dentist in the Army? What do you call a dentist in the Army? Well, you call him a drill sergeant. Got it? <laughs> Next one. Did you hear about the angry pancake? Did you hear about the angry pancake? pancake? Well, folks, it just got flipped. <laughs> Why do people 
dislike those Russian dolls. You know the sets of Russian dolls, one inside of the other? Well, people dislike them because they're so full of themselves. <laughs> Cute, huh? Cute. All right, it's been great being with you, but I've got my thought of the week that I want you to think about. Here's a thought. Don't bring your need to the marketplace. Bring your skill. If you don't feel well, tell your doctor, but not the marketplace. If you need money, go to your bank, but not to the marketplace. Think about that. This is Birdsong. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>